0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering how do I do that? Well, it's simple go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta da! They will all be there, so have fun listening.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name is Chris Peterman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I am live in Phoenix, Arizona uh, after spending the last few days at the owners' meetings at the fancy Biltmore Hotel and Resort, whatever it is. With me, as always, is Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, how's it going, man?
2: It's going great. Just adjusting my mocks after finding out that Montez Sweat is visiting the 49ers. So
1: That's... Yeah, very important to adjust your mocks accordingly. Yeah,
2: and uh, same thing, Debo Samuel. Right. Matt Miller reporting that he's hearing top 40 top. Yeah, and the
1: 49ers pick pick 36 and have a need at receiver, which we're going to talk about a little bit today in this episode. We're a little bit late this week. I apologize. The owners' meetings obviously thwarted our normal schedule. We normally record on Mondays or Tuesdays. Uh, I'm really caffeinated because I had Dutch Bros this morning, a giant cold brew, and and I'm not usually a coffee guy, normally tea, but. Kyle, you know, as a former Arizona resident, how potent this Dutch Bros stuff can be. Yeah.
2: And you can tell how potent the coffee is by how potent the employees are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a very specific type of person that works at Dutch Bros.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was in line. It was probably like, oh no, a minute and a half, two minutes. There were two people in front of me. And the person at the register apologized profusely for making me have to wait. So I think they might be even more caffeinated than I am right now. But speaking of caffeinated, you know, who's super caffeinated, who I, who I learned this firsthand on Monday morning is uh, Sean. Uh, Adam Shafter. Well, yeah, Adam Schefter, obviously, but uh, Sean McVeigh, extremely caffeinated. So oh. I get into the Biltmore lobby. We're meeting with the beat writers meeting with John Lynch at 745. Uh, I've never been in the Biltmore. It's a really giant sort of resort. And I had no idea what the lay of the land was going to be like. So I get there an hour early just so, you know, I'm I'm not lost. I'm where I need to be. So it's about 7 a.m. I'm in the lobby and just sort of looking at my phone, going over notes, getting ready for the John Lynch scrum. In walks Sean McVay, makes, makes strong eye contact and gives me a hearty, good morning, what's going on? And him and I have never really talked or met before outside of the, uh, the conference calls we have each week before Rams games. So anyway, moral of the story, I've decided to throw my hat into the coaching ring and I'm going to be in the mix for head coaching jobs next, next coaching cycle a year from now good idea
2: yeah that's yeah 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 absolutely yeah definitely I think if you just put that slap that on the top of the resume you're set yeah
1: and I think it's a good way to lead a, a press release to announcing my hiring
2: yeah very good
1: okay cool so hang on, hang so on. We the, need to
2: pause the podcast I need to write a quick write a quick blog post Chris Biederman <laughs>
1: Yeah, that'll get all sorts of hits. Um, So, there was not a ton of breaking news coming out of the owners' meetings from the 49ers' perspective. A a lot of things that that we've been talking about were sort of reiterated by Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Uh, I guess one of the pieces of breaking news that that we should discuss first is that the Niners are bringing back Jarek McKinnon. So, there was a little bit of doubt. Uh, because he has a salary becomes fully guaranteed April 1st, because he's recovering from the injury the ACL tear suffered before last season. And because of the addition of Tevin Coleman, there was a little bit of doubt that the 49ers might consider moving on, maybe just to save salary cap room. They obviously really like Matt Breida and Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman conceivably could be a a pretty potent, you know, running back duo. And then there's always a draft or free agency to add to that position. But John Lynch confirmed pretty soundly that Jarek McKinnon is going to come back. He's going to be a, a big part of the offense. And and you look at it, and we've mentioned this before, obviously, but just what McKinnon could do in the passing game. And you know, pairing him with Coleman and Matt Breida and possibly Raheem Mostert, who's almost assuredly going to be active on game days if he's healthy because of what he does on special teams, you're looking at a pretty potent running back group that with a bunch of players that all fit Kyle Shanahan's offense and with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, needing to make things as easy as possible for him during his his return from from the ACL tear, having play action, having some easy throws created by play action, and obviously a good running game to set yourself up in manageable situations on third down, all of that type of stuff, taking pressure off Garoppolo, going to be really important. So it was notable that Lynch confirmed that McKinnon was coming back.
2: Right. There was That was the initial thought, right, was that McKinnon would probably be the odd man out Given how cheap Brita was and how explosive he was last year, and like you mentioned, McKinnon's ACL tear, there were there were questions about that. But yeah, the commitment to all four of them and what they didn't say, and what they didn't confirm, which was interesting to me, was that McKinnon would be active for week one. Right. And that that's something we've talked about as well. The idea that he could start the season on the pup list and then come in, you know, what is it, eight or nine weeks or whatever and Megan. Yeah, it would be them. eight weeks
1: soon. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it gives them a little bit – it obviously gives them insurance. They realize the value of depth. They had to play Matt Days and Jeff Wilson Jr. late in the season after shutting Breeda down because of his chronic ankle injuries that really plagued him throughout the entire season. So you get McKinnon back. You You add Coleman. Uh, you you take the load off Prita, maybe he can be healthier than he was last year. And you're looking at a pretty formidable running back group. So that was notable. And I guess the key takeaway after, you know, we, we talked to Kyle Shanahan for an hour at the coach's breakfast yesterday, along with Lynch, Monday morning for about 25 minutes. I mean, it's, you know, Lynch was asked if if it's you know Josh Allen, Nick Bosa and Queen and Williams and if those are the guys at number two and he said no and there are a lot of guys they are considering but I think the feeling around the team is that one a lot of people are expecting Kyler Murray to go first to the Cardinals so that isn't new. that's been pretty consistent buzz since the NFL combine uh, last month and then you know it seems like the 49ers are still intent on improving the pass rush and maybe making another move there. And we can talk a little bit about what they said and their reasoning for, you know, at wanting to add another pass rusher, maybe a defensive end, even after adding D Ford. But to me, I mean, it's just the, the feeling is, I mean, the big takeaway is, and I guess one thing that we should point out too, is there's so much smoke to this Kyler Murray thing that maybe there's too much. Maybe we're all sort of falling for a trap. But, you know, John Lynch being open to trading back, obviously he said that which is typical before, you know, leading up to the draft, everyone's going to say all options are on the table. We're going to make the best decision we can to improve the roster, yada, yada, yada. Can I go ahead? Can I real quick?
2: I think it's interesting that Jed York, John Lynch, and Kyle Shanahan have all just offered up like, yeah, we want the best player or trade back. We'll take a bunch of picks in a trade back. I think it's interesting that they're making it so like announcing it so clearly like hey we're open for business I th- I did think that was interesting they're not they're not just saying like all oh, options are out there it's very much like a we'll take the best part or if we can get a bunch of assets and a trade back we'll do that
1: yeah it, it is typical though this time of year like every year I'll, everyone is gonna you know they're they're not gonna come out and say well you know they're not going to tip their hand right um but I but I think the consensus is you talk to people that a lot of people expect Murray to go one and a lot of people expect the Niners to take Bosa, but that doesn't guarantee it. We're still a month out and a lot can change, obviously. Right. The Cardinals could get blown away with a trade offer for the number one pick and someone else could jump ahead of the Niners to get Bosa. Or the Cardinals could just take Bosa and then you know it seems like the 49ers would be likely to trade back in that scenario but the feeling I get, and and the reason why, you know, I asked Kyle Shanahan specifically what pass rushers gave him the most problems as an offensive coordinator, and he mentioned Khalil Mack, obviously, uh, Von Miller, but he said the toughest guy for him to deal with was Dwight Freeney when he was on the Colts. Um, and Shanahan obviously spent some time as an offensive coordinator with the Houston Texans in that division, and I thought that was interesting, and because. One of the things he said that made Freeney so difficult was the fact that he had Mathis on the other side, another speed rusher off the off the opposite defensive end side. So it says to me, and obviously, you know, the 49ers have DeForest Buckner on the inside and, and you, Shanahan made it pretty clear, you would love to have more than two elite pass rushers, right? But to have Terrence Mathis on the other side right. and... Robert Mathis, apologies. To have Robert Mathis on the other side and, and for Shanahan to mention him specifically in what made Freeney so difficult to block signals to me that, that the Niners are certainly in the market for another pass rusher. And, you know, that that of course brings up Nick Bosa sure. again, um, Josh Allen and you know, I'm I'm not I know the Niners really like Queen and Williams and, and I've said on this podcast before, I'm not the biggest proponent of taking a defensive tackle that high but if he is that good then maybe you can make it work and, and one interesting thing too that John Lynch said every decision they make in terms of free agency or the draft or trades any any decision they make surrounding roster construction they take a three-year outlook to it so you know what's this going to look like in three years how's this going to impact the next three seasons so it's not necessarily okay we have a need now how is this going to look and with Queen and Williams we've talked about the fact that DeForest Buckner at some point over the next two or three seasons is probably going to try to get a long-term contract. I mean, Joel Siegel, Buckner's agent, who's Khalil Mack's agent, is probably going to draw this thing out because the later he signs the contract, the more money he's going to get. So, you know, the Niners have the fifth-year option. They have the franchise tag. So it might come down to that. So with that three-year window, you're talking about if the 49ers want to insulate themselves from having to pay DeForest Buckner that giant contract, then maybe you can justify the Queen and Williams uh, selection, right. but I, I'm certainly not expecting it. And given the fact that they're both three techniques and they have a huge glut uh, on the interior already, sure. it would be a little bit of a tough fit initially, at least this year and next year. But maybe if you decide that you don't want to pay to Forrest Buckner, then maybe the Queen and Williams thing makes sense. And I only mention that specifically because Lynch talked about the three-year window in which you know they make these decisions.
2: Sure, and if they're looking at Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead as well, and saying, you know, they don't think there's a high likelihood that Armstead is on the team pass this year, and that Thomas is kind of hit his ceiling, like he is who he is, they might want to pair somebody as well with Buckner. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, so that's a, a you know, as much as you look at the roster right now in this very moment, Queen and Williams might not make sense. But if they think he's better than Nick Bosa, or if Nick Bosa is off the board, and they think they can build around him going forward and you know maybe figure out a way to pair him with DeForest Buckner have one of them play nose tackle or obviously they would both be interior pass rushers but down the road if if like you said I mean Eric Armstead is only signed for this year Solomon Thomas might not be on the team for a second contract unless he, he makes significant strides so you can certainly figure out a way you know connect the dots to where you would have a role open for somebody like Queen and Williams so Still, like I said earlier, I think we are at the point where, I mean, I don't want to put percentages on it, but Nick Bosa, to me, is the overwhelming favorite to go number two to San Francisco. And I mean, that's under the assumption that Kyler Murray is the overwhelming favorite to go first overall to Arizona. And Kyle Shanahan even you know sort of confirmed that he's feeling that way. He was asked by an Arizona reporter during breakfast yesterday if he has a sense of, of what's going to happen with the first pick. And he says, yeah, you, you got a gut sense, but that doesn't mean anything. My gut is probably just like yours, so we're all just waiting. And I think it was pretty clear the reporter who asked that question thinks that Arizona is going to take Kyler Murray, which has obviously been widely speculated and reported. So, you know, it's we have a month to digest all of these happenings. The 49ers are meeting. And, and another thing, John Lynch confirmed that Queen and Williams, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, Rashawn Gary... Are going to be uh, <laughs> among the 30 official visits to Santa Clara. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported Wednesday morning that Montez Sweat, the Mississippi State edge rusher, whom the 49ers worked with at the Senior Bowl and who blew up the combine with that 4 4 is going to meet with, with the team in Santa Clara as well on an official visit. So the first thing I thought of was you know, the 49ers are making it clear that they're going to meet with prospects who they might be considering with a trade back. And of course, that's all part of what happens this time of year. You make it look like you're exhausting all options and keep everything on the table, even if you're leaning one way or, to, or another, even if you're, you know, you have convictions that it's going to play out differently. You still want to do your due diligence and, and make it look like you're considering all options just to just to keep your leverage up.
2: Have you seen Montez Sweat spider graph?
1: Yeah, you know what? I haven't looked at it in a while. How about a refresher?
2: He's in the... He's 6'5, 260. He's almost 6'6, 6'5 and 3 quarters. 35 and 3 quarter inch arms. That's in the 97th percentile. 84 and 3 quarter inch wingspan. That's 98th percentile. Uh, 10 and a half inch hands. That's 92nd. His 4'41 is 99th percentile. Uh, his vertical jump was in the 81st percentile at 36 inches. Broad jump, 92nd percentile. Three cone was in the 83rd. And his 20 yard shuttle was in the 77th. He is an elite athlete.
1: Elite athlete, yeah.
2: His comparisons on Mock Draftable are Brian Burns from Florida State, Ziggy Ons is on here, Daniil Hunter, uh, so some really good, really good edge rushers. Jadavian Clowney, he's pretty good too.
1: Jadavian Clowney. Not bad. 68.3% match to Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, Josh Sweat in, is interesting because he was a guy that went, yeah. uh, where'd he go, fourth or fifth round last year to the Eagles? um, really elite athlete, but had a ton of injury issues. So another thing.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, he's at
1: the top. I see,
2: I see what yeah. happened there. Okay. I was very confused. <laughs> Josh
1: Sweat and Montez Sweat, not related, I don't think. But that was another thing too, that Kyle Shanahan brought up. We, we asked, we asked both Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch about, you know, if you added another potential starter along the defensive line, is there room? How is that going to shake out? And John Lynch pretty much said, they're going to be enough snaps for everybody, and they would they would form a rotation. And I think they look at it like they want to build on a strength. Some teams, and and I know Mike Lombardi of the Athletic and, and the Ringer podcast, a former NFL executive, he said, you know, sometimes it, it's good to like philosophically, it's good to really maximize your strength. Like if you reinforce the strength of your team, then it'll always be a strength. If you have injuries, whereas if you don't have depth at that strength, then you lose your strength if you have some injuries, if that makes sense. So you make sure you sort of have that same identity regardless. And so what Kyle Shanahan mentioned was that you look at the Seahawks teams that, that were competing for Super Bowls earlier this decade. They were incredibly deep along the defensive line and they still use a ton of draft capital on their defensive line even though they were already good at that position, just sort of doubling down on their strength. And it obviously worked for them, right? He also mentioned the Eagles, which we've talked about too, yeah. uh, You know, beating the, the Patriots a couple years ago uh, on the back of that strip sack uh, late in the Super Bowl that ultimately sealed in the game. And, and the reason why the Eagles were so good throughout the year and in the playoffs was because they had so much depth on the defensive front, on the defensive line, and were able to keep those guys fresh and be effective late in games. So the 49ers think that, if they were to add somebody like Nick Bosa, say, there would still be enough reps for, you know, D Ford, Bosa, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, maybe Ronald Blair, uh, maybe Contavious Street. There's nothing uh, holding back San Francisco from adding along the defensive line.
2: No, and, and there shouldn't be. They're not in a position where they can say that we're set. You know, they, they need good they need good players wherever they can get them. And if this draft class happens to be stacked on the defensive line, then absolutely you have to, to add players there.
1: It would be like adding life insurance to the position, right?
2: Like the warriors in your transition game, man. It's unbelievable.
1: <laughs> the segues. We're we're yeah. through this, like we've been working really hard on this podcast, but I think the segues is what we've spent the most yes. time and effort yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely so the 49ers know like adding insurance along the defensive line can be stressful but you know what shouldn't be stressful kyle yeah getting life insurance should not be stressful that's why there's ethos ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast incredibly affordable and very uncomplicated well, like getting life insurance at GetEthos.com. there are no medical obs- yeah, exams for policies cool covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to ethos.com, that's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com, getethos.com. This
0: is Mike McGunchey the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles.
1: So, at the breakfast on Tuesday morning, Kyle Shanahan was asked about Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you remember who Jimmy Garoppolo is, Kyle? Mm, No. Okay, he's
2: the... I've, I've never seen The Godfather. So. <laughs> he's,
1: uh, he's a Niners quarterback who we haven't seen play football since September in that blowout loss, or at least it was looking like a blowout loss. The Niners made it a little bit closer in the second half in Kansas City. There was some interesting news surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo and I guess the quarterback position. Kyle Shanahan has looked out his window during the offseason while evaluating prospects and uh, you know free agents and, and seen Jimmy Garoppolo taking drops throwing with members of the equipment staff, throwing with teammates. And he's been encouraged by what he's seen. And, you know, he by, by Garoppolo taking drops, he, he looks like he can play football. But obviously, he's a long way from that. Garoppolo isn't expected to participate in full 11-on-11 drills until training camp. Maybe not the start of training camp, though I think that's the goal. And I think the 49ers would love to see Garoppolo in some 7-on-7 drills in OTAs probably in June, I would guess, would be when that would happen. In the meantime, though, and and this is something Shanahan sort of reiterated late last season, but it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because it's going to be probably one of the more intriguing battles throughout training camp is who's going to be Garoppolo's backup and will the 49ers consider keeping three quarterbacks and will the 49ers consider trading one of their backup quarterbacks if they decide to only keep two? And we mentioned now with four running backs potentially being on the active roster, the 49ers might not be able to keep three quarterbacks. They've only kept three running backs throughout Shanahan's first two seasons, typically on the 53-man roster. So roster spots are hard to come by. And so what Kyle Shanahan said, which he stuck to late last season, even while Nick Mullen sort of ran away with with the starting job with Garoppolo Hurt, and C.J. Beathard was also pretty banged up. But he looks at C.J. Bethard and Nick Mullins on the same playing field, and they're going to split first team reps because he thinks they're exactly even when it comes to competing for the backup job. And obviously, people will look at the numbers and say, well, obviously Mullins is or, or played much better, but Shanahan still has faith in C.J. Bethard, I think, because he was drafted. He thinks he has you know a higher ceiling. He might be a more talented player than Mullins, but Mullins obviously played at a higher level. What were your thoughts when, when you saw Shanahan sort of stick by that? And how do you think that's going to shake out?
2: I mean, it makes sense. It's what we talked about as, as last year wrapped up. It was it was obviously Garoppolo is going to be the starter once he's back healthy. But what does this battle for, for the number two spot look like? And as good as Mullins was, as productive as he was, it's worth noting that he was particularly awful in that Tampa Bay game. And Tampa Bay had one of the worst passing defenses in the league.
1: And he wasn't good in Seattle either for the first, the first half of Seattle.
2: Right. He, he racked up a ton of yards, but most of those were in garbage time. Dante Pettis had, a, had like a, what, 70-yard touchdown in that one on a, on a short catch and run. So his stats were inflated a little bit. He wasn't great. He was a fine backup, but it, it, it's, that's right about what I was expecting. I think Mullins is probably the better option, just based on I mean the handful of starts we've seen. Bethard's won what two games and has has not looked awesome at least with with Mullins. There have been more flashes than we've seen with Bethard, but I don't think there's been enough from either one to say one is better or worse than the other. So I think a coin flip where they split the reps in in practice uh, makes a lot of sense. What I fear is that Bethard is way better in practice than he is in games and might win a job that way but ultimately the hope is obviously that it's a moot point and Garoppolo plays 16 games.
1: Yeah, and one one point that Kyle Shanahan made is that, you know, the team wasn't playing particularly well with CJ Bethard and and you know, obviously Bethard has a hand in that because he's the quarterback and he didn't play particularly well, so he wasn't exactly elevating the people around him. But what Shanahan did say is the team around Nick Mullins played much better later in the season, and that includes defensively, that includes the offensive line and the tight ends in terms of how they're blocking for the running game and things like that. So he doesn't look at the team's performance and singularly lay that on the shoulders of the quarterback. He thinks that the Niners as a whole were playing a lot better with Nick Mullins under center as they did the previous year when Jimmy Garoppolo came on late in the season and went 5-0 and during his five starts. So what Shanahan, you know, he, he tries to look at it or he's, you know, he's saying he's, he's trying to t- take all of the context into account. And he said, you know, he thought the best quarterback performance or one of the best quarterback performances the 49ers had last year was that loss week four to the Chargers the week after Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in September and and CJ Bethard played pretty well in that game. Obviously, the 49ers had a chance to win. They led for most of it and, you know, the the Chargers came back in the second half and sealed it with the interception caused by Derwin James, who's pretty good. <laughs> and and so, you know, the the context is that Shanahan believes in in the surrounding if the environment surrounding Bethard improves the Niners would have a higher ceiling with him under center than maybe with Nick Mullins. And that's obviously, you know, when when you draft a quarterback that's and, and comparing him to an undrafted player, you obviously believe that the the drafted player has a higher ceiling, right? It'll be interesting to see. And Mullins only played eight games. This is a small sample size. In the NFL, we see it all the time. A guy comes in, plays well for a small sample, and then defensive coordinators adjust throughout the offseason. They have they have a better idea of what tendencies that you know that quarterback has, whatever, you know, whatever those may be. And then that quarterback has a tougher time replicating that success because really what separates a good quarterback's mediocre ones in the NFL, right, is how do they adjust after defenses adjust to you? If you're a quarterback that can continually adjust his game based on the different looks you're getting from defenses and the changing personnel around you and and all the extenuating factors, that's really what separates you, right? Like the Patriots have reinvented their offense tons of times uh, with Tom Brady and, and his adaptability is one of his best traits that people don't really talk about. Colin Kaepernick, for example, when 49ers changed their offense to more spread, shotgun, uh, less reliant on the power running game in 2014, it obviously didn't work and Kaepernick didn't adjust and he didn't play as well as he did, you know, in 2012 and 2013. So there's, you know, there's no guarantee and maybe Nick Mullins can't. We don't know. He's only started eight games and and we know that CJ Beathard has struggled with that too, but he's also been... He's also played on not a very good roster, not particularly good teams. So we don't really know exactly what CJ Beathard's ceiling is at this moment. And so Kyle Shanahan is, is approaching it like these guys are still on equal footing. He thought Beathard was hurt, obviously, for, for most of last year. And, and Shanahan revealed actually that, that Beathard had some setbacks with his health during practice, which I think is, is interesting that we didn't really know about that last year and obviously, Bethard. The reason why Nick Mullins got the starting job in the first place was because Bethard suffered a hand injury right before the the Niners had a short turnaround with the Thursday game against the Raiders in November. So, it makes sense, and it it'll be very interesting to see. He said he he said he's basically going to flip a coin on you know when it when it mm-hmm. comes to who gets the first starters reps during team drills of the off season in in April. And you know I don't know if there's going to be a ton to glean from how guys. Play in those settings. I think we're really going to find have a better idea in training camp when things are intensified a little bit. But it's going to be fascinating. I'm very curious to see how it all shakes out because that's that could potentially lead to a trade or you know, if, and if Garoppolo gets hurt again, then then the quarterback position, obviously, you know, Mullins and Bethard are going to be really important figures again.
2: If Garoppolo gets hurt again, that would be a complete disaster.
1: Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: would like I so. said the, the ideal the ideal scenario is one where it doesn't matter whether it's Bethard or Mullins is the number two quarterback but something you said earlier that that is interesting is how many quarterbacks they decide to roster I'm not sure either Mullins or Bethard will be good enough in training camp to warrant cutting one so I, I think how well one of those guys elevates themselves, and if sure if one of them can separate themselves so far from the other one, that the Niners can release one of them, that would be that would be the bigger deal to me.
1: I would think it would they it would be a late trade, and and you look at sort of. The the Niners said when they drafted CJ Bethard that they they traded back up into late in the third round. It was I think it was a compensatory pick that the forty ers got to get Bethard. They traded up because they had intel that uh, another team was gonna draft him. So there still might be interest in Bethard and and we know the way you know other people feel about Kyle Shanahan and his offense and his coaching that Bethard still might have value to another team. Particularly, you know, maybe if if Mike LaFleur in Green Bay, or Mike or Matt, I always get this confused. I should know, I should know better. The new Green Bay coach, one of the LaFleurs, who looks eerily like Kyle Shanahan's little brother, by the way. I Matt LaFleur. Yeah, former Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur looks like Kyle Shan's, Shanahan's little brother. Like they
2: look exactly like alike. They it's look so like weird.
1: siblings. It's very weird. I saw them, uh, saw them talking this week and they were they they just look like siblings. Anyway, uh if Matt LaFleur needs a backup quarterback and and the 49ers make Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard available because they run similar systems, maybe the Niners could get a sixth or seventh round pick out of it. You know, or Rich Scangarello in Denver if he needs a backup quarterback. Maybe Sean McVay, although they have Blake Bortles now. You know, there there are scenarios where you could maybe extract a little bit of value out of one of those guys because I don't think... I mean, ideally, the the 49ers are going to bring in an undrafted rookie, probably somebody they could, they could keep on the practice squad. And I would be very surprised if, you know, with what we saw from Nick Mullins last year, if the Niners tried to cut him and get him back to the practice squad, I would be shocked if he stuck there. So I think they would try to figure out a trade for... Four Mullins or Bethard if one of them wound up not making the roster.
2: Yeah, I, uh, that that makes more sense for sure.
1: Any other news items? The NFL, uh, okay, so the NFL uh, adopted replay for pass interference, offensive and defensive. Obviously, the NFC title game comes to mind, and and how that one ended in New Orleans with the Saints not getting the egregious pass interference call that probably would have won them with the game and sent them to the Super Bowl. Against the Rams, the NFC title game against the Rams, I should say. That's pretty big news. I think Kyle Shanahan definitely wanted that. He said he uh, he would, if it were up to him, he would make every play reviewable. But then, you know, obviously you sort of walk that back knowing that we don't want five-hour games and to have to deal with reviews all the time. But other than that...
2: There's still only, there's still only a maximum of, what, six reviews from coaches? And that's if they get them all yeah. right. And that means that the wrong calls are correct. Like, that's, I'm fine with all. Of yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. And if, if we're just outside the two minute warnings in one of the halves and like, or like, say, say a huge call happens or doesn't happen outside of the two minute warning and a coach is already out of challenges, like, then what? Yeah. You know, um, that'll be interesting. It, it, the NFL did not want to adopt the official in the booth who can sort of oversee anything and, and overturn sort of egregious miscall, which I think is silly, but I think another year, well, with that thought in everybody's head, like another year, thinking about that alternative in mind, I think eventually that'll get adopted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. At least this is a step in the right direction because I think, you know, it, as subjective as pass interference can be, I think still you can review it and, and make a better call and have the, you know, a, a better chance at getting the correct outcome of yeah. these games than just sticking with you know subjective calls not being reviewable as they're called on the field.
2: Yeah, and it's it's for this year. If it doesn't work, like they can just get rid of it, and we'll be like, oh well, I'd rather have the wrong call than I think the one other thing and and that came out of the owners' meetings that was really noteworthy to me, and something that I think we can actually use to tie into our next podcast was. Kyle Shanahan noting that he wants to add another receiver or add more receiver.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Riley Ridley, who met with the 49ers at the combine, the Georgia receiver basically said the 49ers told him they were looking for a receiver. So this isn't a surprise. Obviously you lose Pierre Garcon and you sign Jordan Matthews, who may or may not be, you know, still a, a productive starter in the league. Yeah, I think it's obvious that they they want to have somebody they can be certain they can build with going forward. And Matthews obviously has a ton of question marks given his injury status the last couple of years. Marquise Goodwin, you know, wildly inconsistent. I think they would like to lighten his load so they don't have to rely on him so much. Dante Pettis, obviously a promising player, but you need more than just one. So, yeah, it, it makes all the sense in the world that they'll be interested. In, and that is another topic that we will talk about leading up to the draft. Is there anything else we want to hit on before we get out of here? No, I think I think that's
2: good. I think next time we should touch on uh, some receivers and look around the draft class.
1: Yeah, and adjust our mocks accordingly.
2: Absolutely adjust our mocks.
1: <laughs> Shout out to Matt Miller. Yeah, Debo Samuel projected top 40, according to Matt Miller, South Carolina receiver. Um,
2: you haven't adjusted your mock yet. Do so yeah, now. Yeah, do it
1: now. The Niners pick 36, so that could be the, the move. All right, so I think we're going to wrap it up. We will talk to you guys either later this week or early next week. I'm Chris Biederman for Kyle Madsen. Thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and we will talk to you guys soon.